Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Archaeotech Podcast, episode 99. I'm your host, Chris Webster, with my guest co-host today, Richie Cruz. Today we talk about the future of archaeology in a world that's tidying up. Let's get to it. All right, welcome to the show, everybody, and welcome, Richie. Yeah, hello there. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while. It, has it hasn't. Been. Well, yeah, it's been a while since you were on the Archaeotech podcast, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, so Richie and I do a show called You Call This Archaeology that plays on his um, YouTube channel, which yeah. is, uh, your YouTube channel is... Um. Oh Happy my God. Archaeology, archaeology fun, fun time. time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and we we do that actually on Facebook Live, and there's a good chance, um, well, Ooh. as you're listening to this, it will have been last week, yeah. but, so I won't mention it, but we're going to record this week. Um, but kid, just follow ArcPodNet on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash ArcPodNet, and uh, you'll be notified when we go live. It's very haphazard based on really Richie's work schedule. <laughs> And he has to be in this week because where he's working has got, you know, 80 feet of snow under it. Yeah. Um. So so he's here this week and, and we're probably going to get a recording in. But check that out. All the videos over there as well. It's just us chatting about archaeology and other things. Oh, and look out for merch soon. <laughs> yeah. Look out for new merch. Yeah. <laughs> check out arcpodnet.com forward slash shop and you'll be linked to our T Public store. Yeah. Richie's got some new designs and we're going to get those up there and uh, yeah. you can check those out. So. All right. Well, uh, Richie is here because we're we're we got off our recording schedule a little bit. Paul and I did, so we recorded last week, which we were not supposed to. We we're supposed to record now because we released a show last week. So I like to record about a week and a half ahead of time, uh. and to get back on cycle, we had to record another week in a row. So yeah, out there in New York City where Paul lives, there's ice and sleet and snow and all this stuff, and he's gonna have a hard time getting home, and he's three hours beyond me, so. He's uh he's skipping out on the recording this time so he can do that. And so I, I literally texted Richie like an hour and a half ago and said, yeah. hey, can you, <laughs> can you record today? And he did, which luckily he lives like a block or two away. So yeah, was, and so do you now. And so do I. <laughs> so it was easy to uh, it was easy to come in and uh, and record. So we're going to get right to it. Um, we're going to do our two segments and then we'll do the app of the day segment. So stand by for that. And I've got a I've got a pretty fun app. A, a lot of times Ooh. they've been kind of fluff apps, but I got a, a cool app that I think is really going to help a lot of people and, and some productivity and stuff like that. So Neat. Um, I've been playing with it the last couple of days. Oh, me too, for my app. Yeah. So let's get into the topic, though. So yeah. I mentioned tidying up. As you know, literally everybody on the planet is talking about Marie Kondo's The Art of Tidying Up. <laughs> I mean, the book was one thing, but Netflix just prompt, launched her into stardom, right? Yeah, because the book has been around for quite a while. Like, I mean, yeah, several years. Yeah. Because at the bookstore, my God, we had like so many of them. Like, yeah. like using them as book backers and just hiding them everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so, so my wife and I, in fact, when we were at the Society for Historical Archaeology Conference in St. Charles, Missouri last month, yeah, we were at an Airbnb and uh, they had a smart TV with Netflix on it. Oh, and yeah. what I like to do when people forget to log out their Netflix account is just watch other stuff on their account rather than logging in my own and change their whole algorithm. So we watched that. Ooh, I was kind of avoiding it. Because yeah. it was all over Netflix. I was ah. kind of avoiding it because I was like, ah, do I need this? I don't, it's just going to stress me out. Oh, and, wait, have you ever, um, like, um, have you ever just watched, like, a bunch of horror movies in a row or, like, not even watched them? <laughs> just, like, let it play? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no comment. Um, so, anyway, so we watched that show, and actually, I did like it. It, it If you haven't watched the show yet, um, yeah. if you haven't binge-watched the series yet, go take a look. I will tell you right now that each episode... I appreciate that they they focus on one new little thing. Like she has a set aside segment where she's like, "Hey, this thing." And I also appreciate that she speaks in yeah. she speaks in Japanese. So they she has a translator. She knows some English, but I, oh. I I like that the whole show she speaks in Japanese with her translator there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, totally. Um, so and it allows her to speak naturally and say what she really wants without trying yeah. to find the words in English. Right? Ah. She speaks some English, but not much. Yeah. So. Anyway, each episode is basically the same thing. 
And, yeah. you, and in some cases, you're really dealing with hoarders, right? Like yeah. people who are just have too much stuff. And I've often wondered, this isn't a review of the show. This is the Archaeotech podcast, but yeah. i got to say this. I've often wondered on shows like that, like I want to see five months later what's going on there. Because oh. if you just basically clean up for a bunch of people and throw a bunch of their crap away, you're not going to change decades of programmed no. like, like, like capitalism. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, at the bookstore, you always, I always dealt with hoarders all the time. And like, yeah. you know, they bring in a bunch of books and then, you know, you'd see them in the coming weeks bringing back more books, like, you know, bringing more books back home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just different ones. Yeah. 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 So, but it, on that, on that note, we interviewed somebody um, and I'll try to link to this in the show notes because I can't remember what her name was, but we interviewed a yeah. woman who wrote a book that was kind of around Wait. data and all this other stuff. And her and I had a side conversation off the air. Yeah. Because it, it was two years ago when we were moving into the place we moved into. We, we just moved out of. Yeah, the montage. The montage, yeah. So we moved into a smaller place, and I was struggling. Richie was working at the bookstore at the time, <laughs> and I was struggling with all the books that I had. I mean, yeah. I, I, like everybody else I know, have been collecting books yeah. my whole life. And admittedly, a lot of these books were stuff I'd just been hanging on to. I'd already read it. I, there was no way I was ever going to read these books again. You yeah. know, They were either out of date or... You know, they were just no longer relevant or I just simply wasn't going to read them again. And the way that she mentioned it or that she framed it was basically other people can't enjoy these books if I have them on my shelves. And if yeah. I'm not going to read them anymore or use them as a reference, then I should get rid of them. And that's what I did. You know, I brought a bunch of them to the bookstore. I think uh, I think I brought you guys like hundreds and hundreds of books. And yeah. I, I think I got like 70 bucks for it, which isn't too bad. No. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. used to see some of the customers like who bring hundred, like a lot more and then get a little less. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, I brought in about a, a bunch of books and we'll get into this in a bit here. That's one of the things Marie Kondo talks about. But anyway, yeah. the point is, I don't know if tidying up is going to help anybody who doesn't really fundamentally shift the way they think about things and yeah. their life and the things around them. Yeah. You know, I think archaeologists are ideally suited to think that way because we do live a transient lifestyle a lot yeah. of times. And e even though like you, Richie, have a place to come back to and live, a lot of archaeologists don't like no. it's family or, you know, something like that. So they don't really have a, a solid place to call their own. Yeah. And in the off season, they couch surf, they live with other people. And in the on season, they live out of their vehicle in hotel rooms and camping. So you're, you're fundamentally limited by space in the, in the things that you own. Now, some archaeologists will buy a bigger truck <laughs> or an RV or a van or something like that. And that's or, how they compensate. Or like um, certain archaeologists we know, you know, they'll just have like storage units in multiple states. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what I want to talk about, though, is this article that was written by David Anderson. And he's actually been a, uh, uh, he's been on the Archaeological Fantasies podcast, which the back catalog for that is on the Archaeology Podcast Network. Ooh. But Sarah had uh, a little less than a little over a year ago now. Moved it off the APN and go check out her Patreon, and uh, we'll try to link to that stuff if I can find it. But just Google Archaeological Fantasies, and you'll find her podcast, and go yeah. donate to her and, and help her keep that podcast going. I think she recently picked back up her in her web YouTube series. Oh, she did? She started out YouTubing, like oh, doing doing videos and stuff, and yeah. I just I haven't seen it, but I saw something come over my feed that she did a new video. So hopefully oh, she's picking that up again. More people need to do that. Oh, like me. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, like I'm right now setting it up and getting my workflow um, nice. shaved down. Nice. Yeah. Because well, um, all this free time you have at your work job. That too. You know. But also, my God, a NAS server is the handiest thing ever. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you have to have those. Yeah. You know, especially if you're going to work remotely like that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about this. He wrote this article. Um, it's actually on Forbes, but it's uh, I found it on Apple News. So I will try to find the Forbes link to that and put it in the show notes. Oh, but it's called Ancient Sparks of Joy, Archaeology and Marie Kondo's Tidying Up. It was written on January 25th, or at least published on January 25th, 2019. Yeah. David Anderson is now a contributor for uh, for Forbes here, so that's pretty great. He's been writing some really cool stuff. So anyway, we've talked about Marie Kondo. We've talked about what the art of tidying up is. It's this whole Shinto, um, Shinto belief system yeah. that all things, including inanimate objects, have a spirit, basically. Yeah. And so she sees... She sees, and, and other people of this religion and faith, they see, they see these objects as something that, something that means something to them, and like a whole bunch of hands and people went into creating this thing. Yeah. Even if it's one tiny little thing, even that, just like if I take a three D printed object that I make, it's not just me that made that. It's yeah. all the people that made the three D printer and the whole technology yeah. helped make that thing. And in the Shinto religion, that that embodies the thing with a spirit, yeah. right? So. 
Um, and I think a lot of Native American beliefs follow along the same way, you know, because they, they put a lot of agency, we call it, in different artifacts. Yeah. And not necessarily that the artifact itself really has a, a spirit of its own, but it carries like the spirit of the ancestors. And yeah. forgive me for getting that completely wrong for your particular Native <laughs> American culture. Um, but I know there's variations <laughs> of that, obviously. Um, so, yeah. but anyway, what I want to talk about is how tidying up and, and this relationship of people to things affects the past and ultimately will affect our future. Huh. You know, so. Cause that's what the article about is about, right? Yeah, basically. Um, he, he talks about, you know, looking into the past and how people interacted with, um, with things. And I mean, the biggest thing I want to talk about, Richie, is, you know, just from a, just from a pure technical standpoint, you know, when we look at artifacts and we record yeah. a site, we infer a lot of activity about that site and, and the people that created it based on the artifacts. Yeah. I mean, you were just doing some sketches and you've got a historic bottle that if we were to find <laughs> that on a site, you know, that would tell us a lot about the site, or at least we think it will. Yeah. You know, but how much do you think, how much do you think people really were tied to the things that they had? Or are we looking are we looking at that stuff through a lens, a modern lens like we often do? And we say, you know, we say, hey, you know, we have things that we love. We, you know, we both have coffee mugs here yeah. and computers and things like that in front of us. These are our items and we we cherish these things in one way or another or they're just tools. Who knows? But we look at these things. But do we look at things in the same way that people did a thousand years ago or a thousand years ago was a tool just a tool? No, like um, we don't even look at things the same way that people looked at them like um, 30 years ago. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, how many people name their cars anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I remember reading in like an article about that in a car magazine years ago about that. Mm -hmm. You know, people used to name their cars and, you know, they'd like get like they just keep it until like it fell apart. They just yeah. keep repairing it and stuff. And now most people just like trade in like every three or four years. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, they Uber around. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's just um, I don't know. It's it's always interesting to me when I sit on an archaeological site, uh, especially, honestly, especially in the ancient, like, ancient, <laughs> they will be ancient someday, but the old mining sites. Yeah. You know, because there's so much left there. I mean, it, oh, al yeah. it almost looks like they just picked up and left, like yeah. yesterday. <laughs> and, and you're just trying to think, man, what was this, what was this like being here? Now, those sites are really interesting because they were, in some cases, the people did live out there because it was difficult to access. Yeah. But in most cases, it was, it was just a work site. It was a place to work. So the interaction of people with the things and the artifacts was more from a survival and a, and a work standpoint. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the things they would have valued probably would have been the stuff they carried in. Yeah, exactly. And that's when we find stuff when we know a mine's been successful and we start finding like child's toys yeah. and uh, Ghirardelli chocolate tins yeah. and, and, you know, high dollar liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. When it's just sanitary cans and uh, and evaporated milk cans, you know they haven't found that uh, found that vein yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think about that a lot when we're looking at when we're looking at archaeology sites. You know, what what kind of relationship did people have to the things, and it is it as is it as significant as not only as archaeologists place on that um, because we place a lot of significance on it primarily because it's all we have. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing we have left. So. Um, well, I say they would. Yeah. Why? But why though? Why do you think people in the past would have placed so much significant on their on their things? Because um, things are so much cheaper now that everything's practically disposable. Whereas back then, things would have cost a lot more money. So a lot more time investment into making and acquiring a thing. Yeah. So you're gonna cherish it a little more. Yeah. It's like um. Makes sense. It's like um, like cowboys and their saddles. Like those yeah. things were like handmade, and like you know they would keep those their entire lives and pass them down to their children. Right. You know, like that's not like, you know, that's not something you're just going to throw away. Yeah. Now, as far as heirlooms go, I've always wondered about that, too. Is 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 something do you think made an heirloom because of the time investment involved and the craftsmanship in, in making it? And therefore, it's something that should be cherished and passed down. Or at some point, at some point, I think if it passes down enough generations, yeah, it's less about the craftsmanship and more about the person it's connected to. You well, know, the yeah. people it's connected to. Yeah, or it could be both. Yeah, it could be both. I mean, was George Washington's hatchet, like, you know, that expensive when he bought it? Probably not. See? He probably had a friend make it in town. Yeah. Like a blacksmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. 
All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're gonna have somewhat shorter show today because we got started a little late and we had the uh, somebody's got the studio after us, which is odd here, but it's gonna happen. So um, that means we we just spent too much time chatting before we started recording. It happens. <laughs> it happens. So we're gonna take our first break and then we will come back and talk about the future of archaeology in a world that's tidying up. Back in a second. All right. So this is Chris and Richie jumping in to talk about the Archaeology Podcast Networks membership program uh we want this network to be member supported but i'm warning you i am looking for advertising and sponsorship but if you don't want to hear ads and you don't want to hear sponsors then join us as a member we actually had as i'm recording this um a supporting member uh and a standard member join just in the last four days really so yeah and we've got a bunch of different benefits at the different levels at the at the lower level we'll send you a sticker and you get access to early downloads and high quality downloads at the high end We'll send you all the stickers, a shirt, and a coffee mug if I have any left. If not, I'll send you something else, huh. and we'll you'll be part of our Slack team, and, and you get to interact with us and all those sorts of things. So, Richie, tell us about the different membership levels. Oh, well, there's a supporting membership at $5 a month or $42 a year, which is still less than Hulu or Netflix. <laughs> I might be wrong. Yes, that is. All right. And then there's the standard membership, $10, $10 a month or $84 a year, which is probably cheaper than Prime. It's cheaper than Netflix, too, if you've got streaming. I oh. Think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Although, do you get the grand tour? No. I don't know. <laughs> and then, if you're a professional membership, you get that's twenty bucks a month or one hundred sixty-eight dollars a year. I mean, we could start a show that's the archaeology of cars. Oh, that's true. That'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah. well, you know, the popular one I think is like the archaeology of like um malls and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like modern commercial archaeology would be really fun. Yeah. Anyway, Ooh. I know there's a Facebook group called Commercial Archaeology. I know. Yeah, go check it out. All right, so. Go check this out, arcpodnet.com forward slash members. Of course, all of our podcasts are always free. And if you're listening to this, you probably already know that. But a lot of people come to our website, a shockingly high number come to our website. They click on the login sign up button in the lower right hand <laughs> corner that's always there now. Yeah. And then they get irritated at me that they have to pay to listen to our podcast, which isn't true. Our podcasts are always free. This is for extra stuff. And quite frankly, this is for supporting public education and outreach and archaeology and history. So again, yeah. arcpodnet.com forward slash members. And we would appreciate anything that you can give us on that level. And you can always upgrade or downgrade your membership. All right, back to the show. Yay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to the Archaeology Podcast Network and the Archaeotech Podcast episode number 99. Next episode is Lucky 100. That's crazy. Really? Yeah. Uh, this show has gone through quite a few different hosts. Um, yeah. <laughs> from Doug and Russell in the beginning, to then me and Russell for a little while, to me and Chris Sims, to me and you for a little while yeah. on a couple episodes, and then now Paul and myself. So <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll swap out again. Uh, I'm actually... I would love for some people to take over hosting duties on a few of the shows I do. Ooh. I love doing the shows, but... Yeah. Organizing them and, and being that primary person on like four different shows is taxing. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're talking about tidying up and and honestly, I want to talk about, well, actually, we're not talking about tidying up. We're talking about artifacts and things and how they relate to people, right? And that's yeah. what we kind of talked about in the first segment. But what I want to talk about now is what the heck does the future of archaeology look like if everybody's tidying up? I mean, look at, look at all the... Uh, uh, space shows and sci-fi shows you see out there, one of the common features of all these shows, with the exception of Firefly, which is probably the most <laughs> realistic, is people have fewer things. It's yeah. like one of the common tenets. It's obviously huge in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Like, we have no acquisition of things and wealth anymore and blah, blah, blah. 
I think that's a little bit utopian. Like it's not yeah. actual reality. <laughs> yeah. But but first off, why is that? Because people like their things. People yeah. put a lot of value on stuff. I've I've been actively like when we moved, I mentioned before when we moved a couple of years ago, we we got rid of a lot of stuff. And it wasn't that hard for me to get rid of a lot of stuff because a lot of that stuff I've been hanging on to for a long time and it was just burdensome to carry around anymore. Yeah. But this time we still got rid of a lot of stuff. Even though we moved into a house that was 300 square feet larger yeah. and had an extra bedroom, <laughs> I still forced myself to get rid of things. And I forced myself to get rid of things that I've been hanging on to purely for sentimental value. Oh, they didn't spark joy in you? They really didn't. Oh, they, they didn't? They sparked irritation Oh, because I was moving them. And it made me think, like, let me tell you one thing I got rid of that I know my grandma's not listening to this, but she'd be super <laughs> pissed if she was. Oh, is it that chair? No, it wasn't the chair. We got rid of that a long time ago. <laughs> wow. I know. Um, yeah, I can't believe you remember the chair. Anyway, so the one thing that I got rid of, and again, this is stupid. I haven't fit into this thing in probably 20 years, but my grandma is a city clerk in our hometown. Yeah. And when I was, I mean, I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. I was born in 1975. And in the, I want to say mid to late 80s, the D.A.R.E. program came out. It was Nancy oh. Reagan, you know, promoting it. So it must have been prior to because what was Reagan president from 80 to 88, I think. Yeah. So it was sometime before 88, the D.A.R.E. program came out and it was drug abuse resistance education. Yeah. It had the red logo, you know. Yeah. Well, I had a D.A.R.E. jacket. And really? with my name on it. Because my grandma got these things. She worked for the city and she got my brother and I each one. Wow. And with our names on it. I still have it. Wow. Yeah. So, but I don't. I got rid of it. <laughs> and I've been hanging on to that thing. I literally haven't worn it since probably right when I got into high school, like early 90s. Wow. Right? And I, I haven't worn it since. And I've just been hanging on to this thing. And I had to sit and think, why am I hanging on to this? It doesn't even give me any solid memories. Like I have zero memories tied to wearing this jacket. Sometimes with an article of clothing or a, or a thing yeah. or, or something you have. Like I have a coffee mug collection and I have a wine glass collection. <laughs> and every one of those mugs and every one of those glasses reminds me of a trip I went on. Reminds me of the place where I bought it. Reminds me of the... The the thing we were on, because I, I traveled with one woman after I got off this yeah. project in Miami and we went across the country stopping at different wineries. I've done uh. that a lot with my current, with my wife, Rachel. Yeah. We've stopped at lots of different wineries. And every time I drink out one of those glasses and I see the winery on the glass, I remember that trip to the winery. And you can still use them as opposed to that jacket, I bet. <laughs> and I can still use them. Yeah. And I just, uh, uh. the jacket meant nothing to me except for the fact that my grandma gave it to me in the 80s. That was it. <laughs> Pure and simple. That was it. Wow. Although I, I guess it's, it. it's different for you and me because I'm like, I'm still more or less the same size I was in high school. So I can so I can still wear all those clothes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I was outgrowing it in high school just from a pure height standpoint ah. because she gave it to me when I was, I would have been in like middle school. Oh. So, I mean, I was still young, really, I wasn't done growing yet, Ah. you know, so it's even worse, you know? <laughs> and then I've got, I had uh, shirts that I got rid of, like um, we were the Monroe Bearcats. And uh, I had a shirt from the Bearcat strut that we did some walk run fundraiser thing. It's like, why am I hanging on to this? This is stupid. But let's talk about the future of archaeology. Okay. So yeah. what what are we gonna be able to do? Do we need to develop new methods of of detection, like um, you know, like things we can read from the ground and stuff like that? Because without artifacts, without things that are really personal to people that yeah. that help them through their lives or something like that. Without that kind of stuff to analyze on a site, um, and, and even if we weren't tidying up, we're still throwing a bunch of stuff away, See? right? That's so, what I was going to point out. Yeah, so all the trash is going into landfills, which yeah. doesn't tell us anything about individual people or families. You know, tells us something about the culture, the local society. Well, that's true. You know, as a whole, but it doesn't tell us somebody about individual families. So, uh. you know, I mean, I mean, Richie, you live in a, you live in a, a I mean, it's a relatively small place. Yeah. So you've got to pick and choose kind of what you keep over there. Yeah. Um, do you think if the world were to collapse into rubble right now and we were all to die and then in 300 years somebody dug out your apartment, do you think it would be representative of how you're defined in this world right now? Pretty much. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's like there'd be like two type there'd be like two computers and a typewriter all next to each other and then a record player on the other side of the room. You'd be like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> And then all my art gear is there. <laughs> they think you were a time traveler, I think. Actually. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Because you, you like new stuff that works yeah. and, and techie things that work and operate and well, like with your camera equipment and stuff like yeah. that. 
But then at the same time, you're totally retro with some stuff. Yeah, I just dropped yeah. off one of my typewriters, the one I typed all my college essays on, and um to be um tuned up. And I feel like the guy you dropped it off with was like 115 years old, and he was like, mm. he, you like woke him up, and it was like the first <laughs> typewriter repair he's done in 20 years. No, it's actually um Tom Hanks did a documentary about this particular typewriter shop in Reno. No, it's in Berkeley. Oh, in Berkeley. Oh, yeah. I dropped it off over there. Yeah, because that's where I normally get it repaired. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, you know, and since then, they've, like, been, you know, really busy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also next to UC Berkeley, and there's a bunch of hipsters. That's very true. <laughs> very true. They're always buying typewriters. And thankfully, the price hasn't gone up that much. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like the danger of the whole tidying up movement is uh, psychologically for people, and, and I, when I say people, I mean myself. Yeah? I go one way or the other with things. Ah. I either want all of them or none of them. Like, I don't have a middle ground anymore. You know, I used to collect different things. Yeah. Um, and even the coffee mugs, there was a, they're all in boxes right now. Because oh, I actually really? don't have a place to display them. You don't? And I don't really want to. And I had to remember the reason I was collecting these to begin with. And I'll get to that in a second. But Didn't you used to have a cabinet for them? I did. I did. But we took them out and replaced it with wine glasses and some other things. Oh. So, um. And and I also still had too many in that case. Like oh. I had both of these cabinets full of them, and then we put wine glasses in them because we had this wine glass display cabinet, Ugh. and then we got rid of that. So I had to have some place to put those in the new house. Yeah, in the in the in the condo, and then we uh, so then we put the most of the coffee mugs in in cupboards, and I don't even use the coffee mugs anymore. I use these ember mugs now, and uh, <laughs> but the coffee mugs still spark joy in Marie Kondo's you know uh, oh. vernacular. But see, the point is. I was so close because we're we're unpacking this new house and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just moving this from one storage unit to another, right? Like I'm putting it in storage in our house. Yeah. I was like, why am I doing this? And I and I get into that mode where I don't want anything. And I actually got into an argument with my wife and I was like, I was like, listen, I'm to the point where I just want to throw all my personal items away. Really? I don't want any of it. I'll just have my memories and my podcasts because they'll be on the internet forever. And uh oh. and and I said, but what that does is it depersonalizes the house for me. Yeah. Like, I don't even care about anything here. Like, I don't care. It's all just things. It's all stuff. Ah. Like a TV, speakers, appliances, whatever. We spent money on them, but the minute I spend money on it, it's done. It's out of my mind. It's oh, over. It is? Sparks zero joy. Wait, even that new Samsung refrigerator? I mean, the refrigerator's pretty sweet. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> but if we had to move tomorrow, I wouldn't miss it one bit. Really? Yeah, because I just don't care. Ah. You know, I don't care. And I And with the coffee mugs, I had to remember... One of the reasons, and now it's become the primary reason, but one of the reasons I would collect mugs, first off, I love the different mugs and different things from different yeah. places. Again, it reminds me of where we went, but I've stopped collecting mugs when we go places because I literally had nowhere to put them. Now I have about 200 of them. And uh, uh, Wait, really? Yeah, I've been collecting them for decades. Wow. And uh, I mean, I first started when I was in the Navy and I brought one coffee mug with me, which I still have, the first one I was ever given. And, uh, and I collected them across the Mediterranean and places we went. And then I just kept doing it as a traveling archeologist, yeah. you know, I mean, you're always different places and everybody has coffee mugs. That's crazy. I know. I, well, it's so, just like, I don't have that nearly that many things. <laughs> well, anything. I know <laughs> these are all just in boxes too. Like I said, but then I remember, do I really even want to display them in my house? Like, not really. I don't like a cluttered house. You know, if I had shelves and all that stuff to put these on, they'd probably just stress me out. Like I don't even want them out. So then I remembered, here's the reason why I want to keep them all. And it's it's because my retirement plan is not retirement plan at all. It's what I want to do for work when I retire. Oh, which is own a coffee shop. <laughs> I've always wanted to just own a coffee shop, someplace I could go that brings in enough money to pay the bills. Somebody else is running it and managing yeah. it. I don't need. I don't want to be behind the counter. I don't even care. Um, uh. I want to have my corner by the fireplace where I go and I just work on my other projects that I'm working on, and I'm managing the coffee shop. I decide what it looks like on design. You know, what's, what's being sold there. I don't want a coffee shop that has all this other crazy stuff that's being sold. Um, but I also don't want an uber hipster coffee shop where they have like one French press kind of coffee and a pour over and then no extras, you know, <laughs> I mean, I want milk options. I want the other stuff, some pastries that make sense from a local place, you know, things like that. So in other words, you don't want to set up in California. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But either way, what the other detail I want is all these coffee mugs. Ah. I want people to come in. And be able to choose the mug that they yeah. want to drink coffee out of for the day. Interesting. You know? And then there's a, and then if I'm sitting there, there's a story attached to that mug. Ah. You know, and that goes back to archaeology and and what we can tell about these things. Those would be artifacts of my past, but they're really just artifacts that are in my brain. And unless I wrote all that stuff down, 
wow, I'm just having this idea right now. It'd be really cool to write a really quick, like one paragraph story about that mug and tape it on the bottom. You know? Oh my, oh my God. It's a long story, but a mutual friend of ours had a similar idea, except she was going to start up a um, jewelry business and she was going to look up um, the store, um, the um, kind of like almost come up with like a provenance for all these like pieces of jewelry she was going to sell. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people are, are people that, that do like to get stuff like this, but they don't want to get stuff just for, just yeah. because they're spending money. They like to know the history of an item. Yeah. You know? And again, that goes back to our entire discussion today, which is, what is archaeology going to look like for this time period in several hundred years? You know, what is it going to look like when we look back on this time period? What are we going to find? And I think with all the, even before Marie Kondo, yeah. um, even with just trash that we take out and, and moving all the time, yeah. I mean, the average, I, I heard a statistic, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard a statistic not too long ago that the average um time that somebody owns a home these days owns yeah. a home not just lives somewhere yeah but owns a home is less than five years ah and it's because people are moving because of jobs or they get bored or they're they're moving up you know or something like that and they want a bigger house oh or archaeology can move beyond um physical things and like you could have the archaeology of electronic signatures like you know like yeah. moving around and like signing on the websites and stuff hey way to bring it back to the archaeotech podcast <laughs> i know because <laughs> that's where i'm going too yeah um, we've talked about the archaeology of video games but we've also got like the archaeology of facebook yeah you know facebook does itself does it for you i mean every day yeah if you've been on long enough every day i get a notification i got one today from a post like eight years ago yeah you know it's like here's what you posted eight years ago that's the yeah. art that's archaeology yeah like is your electronic signature a more accurate portrayal of you than in any of your stuff yeah you know Wow, it would be a really cool service yeah. to um to basically mine somebody's Facebook account. I see. And layer pictures for the day or items or things you posted for the day like an archaeological dig. Yeah. You know, and say, I'm gonna look at February twenty first, um, and just look at February twenty first and have these things layer and then you could click on them and dig into the layers and say, oh, this is what I was posting on those days. This is what my friends were posting. These Ooh. are the news articles. So you're saying archaeologists in the future will be like, you know, Google engineers or Basically, Google techs. I think I think archaeologists in the future, if this is what they're digging up, so to speak, yeah, would just be AI. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be a program. Ooh. All our jobs would be gone. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. Well, sort of, you know, but then you have to add the philosophical and like, um, you so, know. Somebody has to analyze it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Ooh. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know how much more I have to say on this topic, but it's, um, it is it's interesting. It is interesting though. Cause you know, I was yeah. thinking like, you know, I don't like, I have like stuff that's very associated with me, you know, but I don't, I mean, it's not like I have like a ton of it and people always make fun of the fact that I spent a lot of money on certain things like, well, like boots or hats and stuff, but it's like, I keep them for a long time and use them. Yeah. Well, and some stuff that you have, like your record collection, of course, and, uh, and other things, I mean, you you are really thoughtful in buying used items. Yeah. And when you buy used items, well, now if somebody were to try to look up, if they had some sort of tool that said who was the first person that used this, it would bypass you entirely. Yeah. Right? So it would go back to the original owner. So when you have a bunch of stuff that wasn't originally purchased by yeah. you, then how is that interpreted later on? You know, when we Ooh. look back in the archaeological, archaeological record, most things, because of the non-disposable nature of stuff prior to like the 50s, yeah. was one and done. You know, it was a one-time use and it was that family that used it, you know, unless it was an heirloom, something like a saddle, like you said, or jewelry or something yeah. like that, that had a higher cost, but your everyday disposable items, like they would use a, they would use a jar or a can and they might repurpose that jar or can uh, for something else. Yeah. But still it really, you know, it's difficult to go back and say, how did that affect their lives when I see an evaporated milk can or a, or a ball jar, you know, I have no idea what that was used for. All uh, I know is they owned it, which doesn't tell me anything. That's true. Unless, you know, you know well, I mean, it's also the um, site and the context. Yeah. You got to look at all the other stuff. Yeah. Which is why, you know, like, you know, it's why it always pisses me off when people are like, what's the harm in taking like, you know, one thing from a site yeah. or two things from a site? And then suddenly it's not a site anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which goes to the future. Yeah. We're taking all the stuff off now. Yeah. We're pre-removing the things from the sites. By tidying up our lives and and tidying up our living spaces, not buying as much, or, or at least not keeping as much. Or we're keeping stuff that's really personal to us, and therefore it makes it easier to try figure out who owned it. That is a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, so maybe in the future, if we get through the tidying up era, <laughs> people will look back on this era and say, well, they kept that. 
that must mean something. Yeah. It makes me wonder if over in Japan, you've got some heavily, you know, Shinto areas where they've been practicing this kind of thing forever. Marie Kondo is just the one that brought it to the United States. They have. It makes me wonder what do their archaeological sites look like? You know, when you Ooh. go back a long time, is it stuff that really meant a lot to them? You know, had a significant high value to them? Sort of. You know? It's like, you know, I mean, when I was there, there wasn't like a lot of archaeology to look at. Yeah. Because it's like so densely built up. Well, that's true. But it was also interesting to look at the culture when I was there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, it's very difficult to explain to like a Western audience. But my God, like you go to a flea market and there'd be like five dollar Rolexes. And they weren't like um, they weren't like fake Rolexes. They were just like the Japanese just valued new very much. Yeah. So like you'd see like five dollar Rolexes at like these flea markets. And then you'd see like you'd see like a two or three year old Ferrari like out in the street gathering dust because it was old. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, obviously they had like a lot of stuff laying around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to bring this back to um, Archaeotech, it's yeah. uh, it's also possible that we just come up with newer futuristic methods of of detecting and analyzing the past. Yeah. You know, we, we do more with less. Ooh. I don't even know what that means. Well, you know, I don't know if you ever saw that movie Prometheus. <laughs> uh, oh, I may have. The alien spinoff? Yeah. Where yeah. he like threw up those little those little floaty balls and they were like floating around and like making like a little map and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Yeah, like you know, we might have that in the future. We might, we might. Uh, it's really just a way to, and and that's so futuristic. I can't even imagine how you would do that. But the ability to essentially, yeah. I, I think the way something like that worked would have taken like serious quantum computing. Really? And because it, the fact is, if you take all the states of, and this is getting way into physics, but if yeah. you take all the states of all the molecules and quarks and subatomic molecules in the universe right now, and you know their current position, yeah. you can predict the future and you can predict the past. Ooh. Because they all interact with each other. Yeah. So there is there is free agency, of course, and I can decide to move my hand this way versus this way. And if I move it this way right now to the left, well, that caused a little air current right here, which caused a thing, which caused a thing, which maybe causes a hurricane in yeah. 20 years over in Florida, right? I mean, who knows? Yeah. So, but it takes such computing power to be able to figure that out. So if we were able to do that and we can walk into an area that's localized yeah. and say, analyze where everything's at right now and backtrack this back, you yeah. know, X number of years, we might be able to say what it what it looked like or where things were or what placement they were in. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe that's just science fiction. Or even we can, like, you know, today we can even start like... um integrating um was it behavioral economics into stuff yeah maybe yeah because you know i mean years ago people are like you know people are very rational and they do it like this but you know when you bring in behavioral economists it shows that people do things like this for no particular reason (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so all right well let's take our final break and when we come back we'll have our app of the day segment but before i do that we'll just have one little thing i I just send me send me the thing uh chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or at archaeowebby uh, send me the thing that you couldn't live without. Ooh. What is the thing that you couldn't live without? Or if you don't want to do that, what do you think archaeology of the future looks like? Interesting. Yeah. What do you think it looks like? Because I think for me, it'd be like, um, probably be my vest, my survey vest. Nice. <laughs> you are quite defined by that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, nice. you know, I've obviously had different hats, you know, and different boots, but yeah. only one survey vest. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think your your cigars in the field kind of help define you, too. Oh, that, too. And a Pringles jar sticking out of the survey. So many things, Richie, <laughs> make me think, Richie Cruz. That's right. All right, so send me those, send me one of those two things, just for fun. Um, yeah, well, what sparks joy in you? What sparks joy in you? <laughs> what future archaeological way of an- analyzing our past would spark joy in you as well? So, all right. I think uh, now that we've covered Marie Kondo, we've now fit into the rest of the framework of society by covering Marie Kondo in every possible context. <laughs> My God, she's just everywhere. All right, we're going to take that break I mentioned, and we'll be back in a second with our App of the Day segment. All right, this is Chris and Richie back again for our final ad segment. We're going to talk about WildNote. I've been promoting WildNote for quite some time now, and uh, full disclosure, I now work for WildNote as of November 1st, 2018. That being said, um, if you're interested in WildNote at all from an archaeological or environmental standpoint, I'm the person that you would talk to if it's archaeologically related. So um, contact me through WildNote, chris at wildnoteapp.com. We've got a brand new homepage. Uh, if you go check that out, we've got a lot of neat things oh, on you there. Do? Yeah, brand new homepage. Um, the girl that nobody knows holding a tablet is no longer on the whole homepage. Oh. Um, and what's really great, 
we used to have this as really consult only, but we spent a long time coming up with our new features and pricings page. So if you click on features and pricing at the top of the homepage, Ooh. it will take you to our new features and pricing page. And it's sorted automatically by the middle range, which is what I think most people are going to need. Oh, you mean the median? Yeah. Yeah. Pro plus. Yeah. And all pro plus means, well, it means a lot of things, but the biggest thing that it means is you get our specific agency exports. So if you need wetlands determination forms from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Ooh. California DPR forms for archaeologists, Nevada IMAX forms, Utah IMAX forms coming soon, yeah, and all these other things that are specific agency exports, then you're in the Pro Plus plan. Um, if you need more than 100 licenses per year, then you're in the Enterprise plan. Um, if you just want to make your own stuff and not use our WildNote Survey Form Library, which would really suit smaller companies working outside of these areas where they have agency site forms. So if you uh. work in where you're doing shovel testing and excavation a lot, yeah. then you can use our pro plan and just design your own forms and really uh. go to town from there. Um, and then with each of those, we have a usage plan, which is basically per survey form, which includes a maintenance fee of either 30 or $50 a month, plus 10 free survey uploads, and then additional fees depending on which plan you're on. Um, and that's really for super small companies doing very little work, yeah. um, very little things. They really just need it occasionally. Um, and then the monthly plan, which is um, charged per person, and then the annual plan, which is by blocks of licenses, which is pretty great. So, Richie, mm -hmm. tell us real quick your impression of uh, uh, of digital recording versus paper recording in the field. What are some of the big takeaways for you? Well, I would definitely like an app that works offline. <laughs> <laughs> like, as someone who is using um, a company-created web portal that is, like, completely pointless when there's no internet yeah. and you have to use it on your phone, that is the worst ever. Yeah, because web portals simply don't work offline. No. You can save it, but it won't load. Yeah. Yeah. And more importantly, if you've ever tried uploading anything or typing anything into a web portal that's on your phone, mm -hmm. it is a miserable experience. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so WildNote does work offline, of course, as we mentioned before. We d we have the web portal for setting up projects and things like that, but you do all that before you go out in the field. Yeah. You know, and then on the mobile, you, you have access to your documents, photographs, um, everything that you need offline, everywhere. And then when you get back into service, you invoke the sync and yeah. it doesn't do it for you. So it doesn't ruin your data plan. Oh, and more importantly, there's like a team of people working behind the scenes to keep things up to date that will, you know, so when someone leaves your company who's been maintaining or creating your web portal, suddenly you don't have to like figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And there's advantages to that too. So we have a massive team of developers working yeah. on this in the background, working on the, we have iOS developers, Android yeah. developers, and web developers. Yeah. Um, everybody who's ever done any software development would know that. Sure, you can do all of those things if you really want to, but really you need to focus on one and do it well. Yeah. And that's the kind of people that we've hired to do that. I've seen ads for other companies that say buy archaeologists for archaeologists. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I do not want an archaeologist designing my software. No. The same way I would want a software engineer digging my units. No. <laughs> <laughs> so check out WildNote, wildnoteapp.com. That's wildnoteapp.com. And check out our free 30-day trial today. And once you start your 30-day trial, you can invite as many people from your company in as you want and uh, try it out for that full 30 days. And then we will do a full demo for you at any point in time. Um, you can find that out under the features and pricing page as well. There's links for that um, Oh, down below. that means Chris can like visit you in your, your office. I can come to your office or we can do it virtually. I did one virtually this morning for a company in Missouri. Really? Yep. So check Neat. it out, wildnoteapp.com. Now back to the show. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to the Archaeotech Podcast, episode 99, and this is our App of the Day segment. So, Richie, as the uh, guest host today, do you want to go first? Yeah. All right, hit us with your app. Actually, I have been using, um, 
I literally just became familiar with um, Affinity Designer. If you are use you know if you own an iOS device, you probably know it because that's how it started out as a um, iPad app. So it's Affinity. Yeah, Affinity Designer. It's like graphic or any other things, but they have a desktop app, which is why I like it. Nice. Because, you know, I had been using graphic, but it was impossible for me. It was, took a lot of steps to get off my iPad and onto like a computer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I just do it on my computer, my computer slash tablet thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's not as it's like the reason why I wanted an, um, an iPad app is because I got really got used to the um the UI. The UI. Mm-hmm. You know, like the UI is like much more useful on iPad than it is on desktop. And okay. this kind of like combines the two. So like, you know, it's on the, your desktop, but it's got the um, kind of like um, touch controls. Okay, nice. The only bad part is that is not it's not as fully featured as like um, Illustrator or Photoshop. So it's a, is it a vector drawing program and, yeah. it's, and it's layered? It's actually, it's it combines a vector drawing app and um, a pixels type based drawing app in one. Nice. Yeah. It's like 50 bucks. Okay. You know, it's like a one-time use. So thing. that's $50 for the desktop application. Mm-hmm. Would you remember what the uh, iOS app cost? Oh, no. Well, I mean, I I don't have like a modern iPad, so. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, we'll put links to that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. I'm always looking for um, new drawing applications yeah. like that. I am pretty deeply involved in graphic at this point because oh, it does work well between iOS devices and, and yeah. the Mac because um, it links everything via iCloud. So oh, wait. So they have a desktop app too? They have a desktop app too. Yeah, I use it on my um, iMac uh, desktop, and then on my um, my MacBook Pro oh, as I well. Didn't. Do they have a Windows app? I don't think so. I think they're iOS only. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I think they're <laughs> iOS only. And I I know I paid thirty or forty dollars for the uh, maybe even more for the desktop app. Yeah. Um, and I want to say the the mobile app was like nine dollars or something like that. Yeah, I think it was five when it first came out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's I when I bought it. I, that's when I bought it too. Yeah, yeah, but it's since gone up in price and Boo. some <laughs> some crazy reason software they never charge for the upgrade. I don't really? know how they get away with that. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I mean it's like nine dollars now, but I haven't paid for any upgrades, so they just it just upgrades. Wow, <laughs> neat. Yeah, I at some point. Along the line, along the way, software developers just started doing that, and I don't really know how. I mean, even Apple does that, like their operating system. You oh, never yeah. pay for the upgrade. Windows, you do. You know, you want to upgrade from something to like Windows 10, you're going to pay for Windows 10. Oh, now. You know? But there was a period where you got it for free. Yeah, and I don't know what that period was, but, you know, anyway. So Affinity Designer, you've been creating some stuff in there. I saw one thing that you created. What kind yeah. of stuff have you made in there? Oh, I have made the uh, merch for You Call This Archaeology, the T-shirt <laughs> and stuff. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah. Maybe by the time you hear this podcast, it will be up on our T Public Store, arcpodnet.com forward slash shop. Click on the T Public link and you'll find it. There you go. And if I ever remember, T Public often runs promotions, so we can't run promotions on our T Public Store. Oh, you can't? No, we don't have control over that. But oh. T Public will often run promotions where everything's like thirty percent off. Ah. And they send me notifications of that. And then when I remember, I put it in like our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I'll tweet it out, but mostly it's our Facebook page and saying, hey, for the next 24 hours, everything's 30% off. So Interesting. Have people been buying a lot of stuff? Uh, occasionally. We get a we get a few sales a month. It's honestly not huge. Oh. But I think if we get more designs and stuff in there that, you know, it'll be a it'll be a bigger deal. So Oh, cool. Yeah. Alrighty. I'll I'll keep working on that. I know. I know. <laughs> and I really just like people promoting the promoting the APN and wearing cool stuff because we don't make a lot of money. You know, if somebody yeah. buys a twenty dollar t shirt, you know, we make a dollar fifty or two dollars off of that. What you're not a podcast mogul? <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. So all right. Well, moving on to my app of the day. Um, yeah. again, Affinity Designer will have links for that on the uh, show notes. My app is an app called Streaks, and I just heard about this. Um, so here at the oh. Reno Collective, where I'm a member as a co-working facility, yeah, they do this thing once a quarter called Cotivation, which is co-motivation uh, is a word. And they, they <laughs> limit it to 10 or 12 people, and we meet every Thursday from, I think, 1 to 2, yeah. um, just in this little studio right over there. Ah. And, uh, and it's basically a six-week program. And you meet, and and the first day you pair off with somebody just for that first day, and you basically talk about one goal or thing that you're trying to accomplish by the end of the six weeks. And you know, for some people, it's develop an app. There's a lot of software ah. developers here. For some people, it's build out a marketing program. It's you know, Ooh. whatever it is, it's some project that you're trying to find a way to finish. Yeah. So during the the session, um, the the person who runs it is one of the managers here at the collective, Colin. Oh. And he will. He's done this a lot of times, and he's got 
I think, a set of materials. And each week it's like you have your homework, do this, watch these videos, do these things. And then we talk about it and we see what we've moved forward in our in our progress. And yeah. so anyway, one of the things that they talked about was habit forming Ooh. and habit stacking. Um, habit stacking is a really cool idea because people don't have a lot of time. Habit stacking is basically like, you know, you want to, you've got this one thing that you want to do. Maybe it's um, post something to your Twitter account. Maybe that's your helping your social media game. You need oh, to yeah. promote yourself. Yeah. But you always forget to do that. So one, you, you stack that with something that you always do do. So most people brush their teeth in the morning. Yeah. So you brush your teeth in the morning. You're brushing for two minutes while well, you're brushing with one hand. With the other hand, you're making your social media post. Uh, that's habit stacking. So, oh. Yeah. So while and a lot of people do it with TV, so they're like, "Oh, I can't spend the rest of my life binge watching this TV show, so I'm only going to watch it while I'm on a treadmill." Oh, interesting. Because I do you the know? same thing, except you know, I just came about it naturally. I um, I can't. I don't allow myself to eat dinner unless I've worked out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And that's basically habit stacking. You know, you're kind of doing that's like a habit chain. Like you can do this if you do this. Yeah. And habit stacking is more doing this while you're doing this. Oh. Yeah, doing two things at one time. So you're reducing the amount of time that you're spending on these things. Because for a lot of people, from a productivity standpoint, that is the problem, is, is they're doing that. So one of the things that helps you do that is tracking your your good and your bad habits. And this app called Streaks is my um, app of the day, and it's streaksapp.com. We'll have a link to that. Unfortunately, it's iOS only. Um, it did win a 2016 <laughs> Apple Design Award, which is pretty cool. And they have, I think all the best apps have multi-platform support. So they have a really solid Apple Watch app, which I've put on my home screen now. And they have, because oh. uh, um, I part of the problem for me with productivity apps yeah. is not being able to see the app and interact with it on a normal basis. So if it's on my iPad, if it's on my phone and it's on my watch and it's right here front and center, I can bring it up with a simple tap on my watch, oh. um, then I'm more likely to use it, right? And, and a lot of them don't have good functionality between those apps either, but this this one really does. It's $4.99 one-time purchase, so you don't have any ads ever after bad. that purchase. But that's, no, that's not bad. But what you do is and I set up some just to just to just to be fun. I haven't even used it yet because um, I I was looking at this the other day and I yeah. really just set this up today so I could talk about it on the show. <laughs> so I I'll, I can't report on how I've used it yet. Yeah. But like I've got one here that says floss your teeth and you're supposed to do that twice a day. So when you finish it, you hold down on it and then it gives you a check mark and shows you the progress bar uh. on on how you finished it. So um, I've got bike ten kilometers, take your vitamins, record weight. My activity rings are on here from my Apple Watch, so it syncs with my Apple Watch. And read a book for 30 minutes, and you can just start a timer right on there. And if you read for five minutes now, you can start the timer and then stop it after you're done reading. It shows you how much more you have to go. Um, it's got some uh, it's got some don'ts do too, like don't eat bad food. And this one's uh, this one's a negative one, and I picked <laughs> one just for fun. Don't yeah. pick nose. <laughs> that was a built-in one that they had. Wow. Um, and you can make your own. Like I put edit podcast yeah. on there. So in the don't ones, like it says, don't eat food. I think I chose two times. Don't eat bad foods. So if I, if I'm in the checkout line over at Seven Eleven and I'm grabbing a soda or something like that, and I see Snickers there, which are my weakness, and I'm oh, like, they are? yes, I love Snickers bars. Oh. They're so delicious. I prefer Twix. That's Twix are also delicious. See, but Snickers is slightly higher than Twix to me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to eat Twix bars anymore. Or at least I want to limit my intake of Twix bars. When you're in that checkout line and you don't pick up that Twix bar, that is when you would click on this. Or, or, or the, well, so that's when you would click on the habit one where it says, "Yeah, I did a good thing." Right? Then it would mark that you you avoided that food. But this is this one. It gives you an allowance. So oh, good. This one says, "Don't eat bad food." So if I click on it and hold it. Now that marks it as one, and I chose two for this. You could choose any number. So yeah. this allows me to basically eat bad food twice a day. Ah. So you'd want to limit that. If you're eating bad food 10 times a day and you yeah. want to reduce that to five, then you have five opportunities here. Now you're going to pick and choose and you're going to say, well, let's see, I'm going to the, I'm going to coffee bar later with Richie and I know they've yeah. got great brownies there and ice cream and gelato. Yeah. But there's also donuts in the kitchen. Like, but I only have one allowance today where I can choose to eat bad food. Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be coffee with Richie or is it going to be donuts in the kitchen? But what if, <laughs> but do they both spark joy in you? Oh my god! That's, <laughs> well, they do, but that's a different problem. <laughs> so the Streaks app, check it out. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. I've got a really. I'm. An, I'm going to break into it. And like I said, they've got a really awesome Apple Watch app where you just tap on it, and then you can see the different things that you have. And I can. I can uh, hold it down and just just like you do on the web uh, or on the mobile app. Yeah. And then do that thing, and then it 
lights up a certain color when you've got it done. So, oh, and on the complication on the watch, it shows up as white that I finished one of those little six things. So, Neat. yeah, it's pretty cool. You can track, I think, up to 12 things at a time, which yeah. probably is a lot. I yeah. mean, you're probably going to want to stack it up right away, but I think when it comes down to it, if you're going to try to change your behavior on something, which is what this is for, it's for forming habits or breaking bad habits. Yeah. If you're going to stack things up like this, you're probably not going to want to focus on too many habits at a time, you know? So if you, True. if you want to make your feel, if you read every day anyway, like my wife reads every night before bed, sometimes I do, sometimes I just go right to sleep, but she like <laughs> can't sleep unless she reads like two pages. Really? Oh my God. It's every time. Like it'd be three o'clock in the morning and she just pulls her book up and I'm like, go to sleep. Yeah. So she gets, she gets done with that. And so she wouldn't put the one on here that says read a book 30 minutes a day. It's something she already does. I mean, uh. why, why track that? You know what I mean? This is for habits that you actually want to form or habits that you want to break. I put podcast editing on here once a day because I run into the problem because I'm so busy Yeah. that like if I set up a time actually on my calendar. So from, I usually get up about five 30 in the morning Yeah. and I've got some time to just kind of chill, read some news, um, grab a coffee. And then from six to six 30, I'm writing uh. and from six 30 to seven, I'm editing a podcast. I don't care what it is. I've got clients. I've got shows. There's always a podcast to be edited. Yeah. But in my brain, because everybody loves procrastination, if I'm given a podcast that's not releasing for a month, well, there's a darn good chance I'm not going to edit that for another three and a half weeks. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, uh, because I've got other stuff that I'm focusing on. That's I prioritize by time. Uh, but I set aside time in my day to edit a podcast no matter what I'm doing. Interesting. And from 6.30 to 7, I'm just going to spend a half an hour on it rather than stressing out and spending two hours on it the day before it releases. Interesting. So does that mean you're going to like set aside time to like, you know, I don't know, get back on the bicycle or something? And I've done that. Oh, you have? So now that I've got it set up back up in our house, literally this weekend, I found all the parts and I set up in a place. I wasn't able to do that much in the montage just yeah. because of the, the size of the place. But um, I rode my bike yesterday. Um, I just did a 20 minute workout on the Peloton app. Oh. And because uh, um, you can now get the Peloton app without having a Peloton bike. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I use it on my big iPad here. So I set it right in front and I'm actually 3D printing soon. I was going to set it up today, but I didn't. A mount for my handlebars yeah. that holds this big iPad. So then I can have it in front of me with the app on there and I can follow along with the workouts. Oh, so you're doing inside. You're not outside. Well, not outside yet. I mean, this is a street bike. It's not so good when it's icy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but when I when the weather gets better, yeah, I'll be I'll be going Ooh. back outside. But it's so much easier for me to just throw my clothes on if I'm just going to do a 20-minute or 30-minute workout Yeah. to just do it inside, right on the trainer. That's true. You know, I've had this trainer for a long time, but um, I just do it, hook my bike right up to the trainer. Getting the bike out and pumping up your tires and doing <laughs> all that stuff, that just takes more time. I know. And when you don't have the time, it makes it a burden. And if it makes That's it a true. burden, then it, it's not a habit you can form. So. Yeah. Anyway, I think this is really good for archaeologists and people that travel around because there's a lot of things we, we forget when we're traveling. We get out of our routines yeah, because we're in somebody else's routine, basically. I mean, you're mm -hmm. living in an Airbnb half the time now, yeah. more than half the time, and it's easy to get out of your normal routine because you're not at home. So having something to track your habits and to make sure to keep you on track is something that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got to go. Um, check out all the links in Ooh. the show notes. <laughs> For everything we've talked about. Yeah. And uh, we will be back in two weeks, back with Paul and our 100th episode. Um, I actually didn't realize that until we went to record today. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to be special or not. It is just an arbitrary number on somebody's numbering system, you know. Just because the Arabs said 100 is a thing doesn't mean we have to. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know what we're going to do, but come back for the 100th episode anyway. And, uh, and, and send me another email. I already had a call to action in the last one, but send me another message and tell me what habit you're trying to track. Even yeah. if you're not using the streaks app, I think that'll be fun. Oh, sending out three resumes a week. That's right. Uh, now is the time for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and you could put that in here. You could put the quantity on there and make your own. Ooh. So, um, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Richie, for joining at the last yeah. minute. I uh, really appreciate it. And Yay. again, check out Richie's YouTube channel. Um, you call this art? No. Happy Archaeology Fun Time. <laughs> Sorry, I get confused sometimes. That's right. And check out You Call This Archaeology on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash archpodnet. Like the page, follow the page, so you get a notification when yeah. we go live. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time. Yay. <laughs>
This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.